Welcome to episode number 231 of the Pioneering Today podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to take you through the planning that my husband and I do for our homestead year. So what's coming down the pike for the homestead in 2020? Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. If we haven't met before, my name is Melissa K. Norris and I am your host. I am so excited that you are here because I firmly believe that the world needs more homesteaders and homesteading is a state of mind first and you can homestead no matter where you live. I'm the best-selling author of three books, including my brand new book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food for Your Family, as well as the host of this, The Pioneering Today podcast, and the founder of The Pioneering Today Academy. And everything that I do is all about helping you learn how to create a homegrown and handmade life giving you the clear steps for gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, natural medicine, and the traditional skill sets and wisdom to create the life that you want for your family and homestead. I have not always been a planner. In fact, for many years of my life, I was definitely more of a fly by the seat of my pants. We'll just get it done when it needs to get done. And I never put a lot of forethought and planning into things for a long time. Now, I'm not sure if this came with age and wisdom. I'm hoping so. But I am much, much more of a planner now. Now, I still believe in spontaneity and we definitely will change things on the fly and pivot when need to. But I've really come to appreciate the value that planning brings because it really has saved me a lot, helped me just get more out of my time, make less mistakes, and it makes the actual execution, the actual doing of it that much shorter. And all of us I don't care if you are working from home, if you have a day job, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're retired, doesn't seem to matter what it is that we're actually doing, but we all could use or feels like we could use more hours in the day. So it's my goal to make things as most efficient as possible. And that's where the planning comes in. I now do a lot more planning for the garden, hence the writing the book, The Family Garden Plan. But really in all areas of my life, I've realized if I can go in at least with an outline of a plan, it doesn't have to be nitty gritty like written out in each step necessarily. But if I go in with some type of a game plan, it has really made a huge difference in all areas of my life. So my husband and I were actually going through our game plan, things that we're going to be doing on the homestead this year, both with the garden, with the livestock, with our house. And if you have got a spouse or significant other or family members, sometimes it could be your kids. I mean, everybody's family situation is different. But if you can gather everybody and kind of have an outline on the things that you're going to do, it's really good because it helps get everybody on the same page. And it definitely makes homesteading a lot easier if everybody is on the same page or at least as much as possible, especially for kind of the big goals and the big things that you're going to do. And it also helps us to prioritize the big things 
And with homesteading, especially with livestock and with gardening, it is definitely a seasonal thing. And I'm really glad that the new year falls in January, which for most of us, most of the gardening seasons, and even with the livestock, this is the time of year where we have kind of the least amount of things going on as far as hands-on, like out in the dirt, out in the pasture, in the barnyard, and all of that going on. So it really lends itself well to kind of coming up with your plan. Because as I said, especially with the livestock and with the garden, if we don't put things into place now, like getting it on the calendar and getting it on the schedule and being like, okay, we're doing this this year, then we can miss that window of opportunity. And then you have to wait until the following year and, and being able to do it. So it's really important that you kind of sit down and come up with a game plan and decide on what you're doing. So I thought that I would just walk you through mine to give you some ideas or I know I am super curious. I always love to know what other people are doing. And so hopefully this will help inspire you and also give you some tactical tips too. So first up, the thing that my husband and I usually go over first is our livestock. We always have our laying hens. So I always have my chickens that are providing us with eggs and they just started picking back up laying again. Hallelujah. The days are barely, I can barely tell that they're getting longer. Still feels like we're in the middle of winter at the time of this recording. It's just at the uh, beginning part of January, but I have definitely noticed an uptick in the eggs. I wasn't getting any and now the girls are starting to lay again. So we've always have our laying hens, but if we want to make any changes to the coop or to our chicken tractor or anything like that, I like to have those plans set out. And so we are looking this year at possibly changing up our coop, uh, maybe enlarging an area and then just still having the chicken tractor, we can move them around. But kind of like right now when the weather's not very good or there's not a lot of pasture, ours is all covered in snow as I'm, it's snowing outside my window as I'm sharing this with you. I can't really move it around. So we're talking about having a larger, more permanent run out and coop area, but still keeping the chicken tractor for the spring and summer months when there is more pasture available for them to be on. So we're kind of more in like kind of the, the brainstorming phase because what we have right now has been working very well for us over the past, oh my goodness, you guys, eight plus years that we've had this set up. Um, but I'm always, you know, looking at ways I don't ever want to get just stuck like we've always done this. If there's a better way or to test something out or we see an area like I think this would work better. So we're kind of batting around the idea of maybe redoing some of the infrastructure with the chickens as far as their pens and some of the coops and stuff go. We also always have our cattle. So we raise organic pasture raised beef for ourselves. So it's not something that we're doing as a business. It's just to feed ourselves. And then sometimes we also will give some to family, just immediate family, but it's not set up as a business situation. But we always have our cattle because we're always breeding back our mom, the moms, the cows. And then we have, of course, the calves. And then this time of year, everybody has already been bred and we won't have any calves on the ground until much later in the year. Usually about mid to end of summer is when our cows calve. Now, a lot of people like to have their cows calve in the springtime, but just the way that our breeding has went, we're taking our cows to a bull or we're bringing in a bull. We don't have a bull and I don't do artificial insemination. Sometimes we actually get our cows to the bull to be bred or bringing him here, vice versa, um, a little bit different. But we've actually found that it works pretty well for us to have the 
them calve in the first part of summer and not in that early spring, kind of with the way that the weather oftentimes works here in the Pacific Northwest, we can get our worst snowstorms and really actually cold weather clear into March. So if they don't calve until around June, it actually has worked out pretty well for us. Now, like I said, ideally, most people prefer to have their cows calve in the spring. That's not when ours typically do. And we're okay with that. And I hope that you'll pick up with a lot of what I'm sharing with you is you have to do what works best for you and your family. There is, of course, with everything, best practices. And then sometimes there's reality and it's just the way that things work out. But we always have, no matter what time of year, the care of the laying hens and our beef cattle. So right now it's pretty much with the beef cattle during the middle of winter, unless there's a big windstorm where we have to go and check fences, we've done all of the repair and the upkeep to those things, usually in the fall and then sometimes in the summer months too. So right now, it's pretty much just feeding, making sure they have enough feed and water. But this year, we're trying to decide if we are going to be raising meat chickens again and how many, and if we're going to be raising our pork again this year, and if so, how many do we want to get on the pigs. This is important because we don't raise and breed our own pigs. So we have to have a breeder get our order in and then we have to redo, get the pins up, the fencing up, uh, the shelter and all of that. So deciding to bring the pigs back in, we've actually taken the past couple years off of breeding pigs. One, we had an abundance of meat. So we raise 100% of our own meat. Occasionally, I'll buy some meat from the store if I really want just chicken breasts or maybe some wings or something like that. But for the most part, we raise all of our own beef. I never buy beef from the store. We raise our own pork and then we do our own meat chickens. We also go out in our little ski boat and get our own crab for the year. So we get our Dungeness crab. And then we also get salmon. So I really rarely do I have to buy any meat. Sometimes I don't actually like shrimp. I'm not a big seafood eater. The crab and the salmon are pretty much it. Now, my husband, however, and my kids, they love seafood. So sometimes we will buy shrimp or oysters or something like that, clams, mussels, um, but pretty rarely. So we're pretty self-sufficient when it comes to our meat. But we had the freezers were full. My canning jars were full of meat. And so for the past couple of years, we actually have not raised the meat chickens. We took a year off from them and we took a year off from the pork. So it's an evaluation time right now of looking what do I have left in the freezer? And if we're going to raise them this year, we need to decide how many and we need to get our orders into the breeder. With the pastured pork, part of the issue is we were going to raise them last year but we decided we did have enough meat if I was careful and was allotting the sausage and the ham and all the pork stuff that we had left. I could carefully allot that and get us through one more year with the abundance we had and the other meat. But the breeder, the place where we got our pigs, they actually retired and were no longer doing their breeding program and no longer had litters for sale. And when it comes to my meat, I don't really like to go to the auction and get them. I don't really know the breeding background. I don't know the conditions they were in, etc. Sometimes you can get awesome, sometimes not so much. So I really like to buy from a local place where I can go and talk to the talk to the farmers, talk to the breeders and see the animals on site and that type of a thing. So this year, we're really excited. 
Um, I found it actually was a podcast listener, which was really exciting. They had moved up here and we got to meet and they breed pigs. So we're going to go and look at their pigs and check them out and see if we want to try them. It's actually a new breed to us. So I'll definitely give you more details as that comes along. But I think that we are going to do pigs this year. So on my schedule, so this will be yours if you're purchasing from a breeder, one, finding a breeder, and then two, putting it on your schedule and getting a hold of them. Because when it comes to piglets and oftentimes even beef cattle, as I was sharing earlier and said, most of the time they have their calves in the early spring, even though ours don't. It's important to know that because if you're going to be putting in an order or purchasing these animals from someone, especially if you want to buy them when they're small and then raise them up yourself, which is a route a lot of people like to take. It's usually cheaper if you buy a piglet and then you do have your feed bill, but we are able to supplement with our pasture and a lot of garden produce, etc. So it's not huge. And then come fall is when we butcher them. Whereas if I were to buy a full size pig or even a full size cow, you're usually paying per pound, especially on cattle or, or close to therein. You're paying more the larger the animal is. So a lot of people like to buy in the spring when the animals are small, get them as they're little and then raise them up and then butcher them. Or maybe you're not butchering. Maybe you're going to be raising this one up and it's going to be some of your breeding stock or dairy animal, etc. But a lot of people do like to get them when they're when they're younger because they're usually cheaper at that point than when they are more mature. So it's important that you find the place that you're getting them and that you get your order in as soon as possible so that you save your spot. Because we've ran into, there's only a few breeders oftentimes in our area and they only have so many litters and or so much livestock that they're selling off. And if you don't get in place on the list, and especially if you're not a repeat customer that they know is coming back every year, Sometimes you get bumped or you have to wait until the following year or they just may not have enough to go around. So if you know it's something that you're doing, it's actually quite important that you you get on the books now. So that's what we're going to be doing with our pigs this year. And then we're trying to decide as well if we're going to be changing up some of the way that we rotate our pasture with the pigs and their pins. We have been just using metal T-post and hog panels and then with a strand of hot wire down below, but we like to rotate them. So we do pasture rotation with the chickens and the cows and the pigs because this is ideal for your pasture. It keeps them on fresh pasture, does a lot of good things for your soil. But when it comes to the pigs, we're having to move them a lot more frequently than the cattle. We keep them in a smaller enclosure so that we can have the hot wire because pigs are a lot harder to keep in than the cattle in our experience. And even the chickens, they're probably the hardest. And it's kind of a pain, I have to say. It's a lot more work to move the pig pen every few weeks than it is pretty much any of the other livestock. They just tend to be more hands-on work. So my husband and I were making the decision if we do them this year, one kind of gearing yourself up mentally, knowing that you've got this work that's coming in and it's going to be an addition and also deciding, is there an easier way? Do we want to try to get some different fencing? Do we want to try to do some different things on the way that we move their pin and their run area that we do that? So we're considering looking at some different type of fencing, maybe some a different type of electric fencing, perhaps some solar electric fencing panels. 
We're not 100% sure yet which route we're going to do. So we're investigating those. But we're doing it early enough here in January that we'll be able to look at those and make our decision and get everything purchased and in before it's time for us to get our piglets. Now with the meat chickens, we're also deciding, are we doing meat chickens again? I have a few whole chickens left from the batch that we lasted, but definitely like we'll be out in a couple of months and I won't have any of our pasteurized chicken again. Which means if I want any chicken, we either I'm going to have to purchase it, which I have not purchased whole chickens. I don't I can't even tell you how many years it's been since I've purchased a whole chicken. A lot of them. (laughs) So I know once those are gone, we either are going to be purchasing some chicken from the store or from our local butcher that does have chickens there. Or we're just going to go without having chicken meat until we butcher again, which is really, for the most part, what the pioneers did. If they ran out of a certain type of meat or they couldn't get a, you know something, then they just went until it was in season again. We're really lucky in this modern day and age that for the most part with our freezers and just the availability of everything, we really don't usually go without something, even seasonal, if we don't want to. But we're evaluating the cost of raising the meat chickens and the work that it takes butcher day and getting the equipment for butcher day and just you know all the things and really the hands-on amount of time and the feed costs versus purchasing organic pasture-raised chickens because I think it's important that we can kind of consider all of the costs because oftentimes especially myself I sometimes tend to romanticize things a little bit and think, oh, look at this chicken we raised. Like, it didn't, co- like, this is this free chicken. Like, the little chick itself only cost us like two bucks. And not always think about, well, you were buying feed, your time, you know, the cost of running the heat lamp on the brooder when they're little, all of those things. I tend to gloss them over sometimes and not really take them into account, but we need to. We need to realistically look at our expenses and the time that we're putting in and then look if we can even find, which luckily we do have organic pasture-aged whole chickens that I am able to purchase from some local sources, but I need to do an evaluation and be like, okay, which route do we want to go? So I think that we are going to do the meat chickens this year. But we're not going to do as many as we have done in the past. And the reason for that is if I had enough meat chickens from doing one batch and they lasted me for almost two years, then either I wasn't cooking enough of those chickens or we just did too much. And so doing a smaller batch will be less work, uh, less pins that we have to put in, less rotation, less work on butchering day, etc., So we're looking at doing meat chickens again, but doing it on a smaller scale. Some other things that we're going to be doing this year and changing up is we're going to be moving and putting in new bracing on my high tunnel, aka the off-grid greenhouse. Now, I will link in this episode for today, which you can find different links and resources in the written blog post that accompanies every episode at melissaknorris.com forward slash 231. So the number 231, because this is episode number 231. But I will link to, I have a YouTube video where I walk you through 
the construction and looking at our high tunnel, which we converted just an old, like those metal carports that are covered in canvas. You can buy them at Costco or I don't know, probably Home Depot, Lowe's, that type of thing. We converted one of those old frames after the canvas, um, like we parked our boat under it. Some people will use it to, it's like a little carport. Well, after the original canvas on it had rotted off, we converted that into an off-grid unheated greenhouse, which is basically a high tunnel where I grow right now. I've got lettuce growing out in mine, but I grow all my tomatoes and all my pepper plants throughout the summer in there. And then I grow some of my cool weather crops, usually lettuce and greens throughout the winter months. But we had a huge windstorm last fall and this high tunnel, this frame, this greenhouse, all the hardware, it's all it's like eight years old. So we put it on eight years ago. I haven't touched it since. Well, the frame, the legs actually of the frame, not the top roof part, the frame, that part of the frame, but the legs got bent. We had a horrific windstorm came through almost exactly a year ago. It was right before Christmas of 2018 and it lifted it up and bent it it also actually lifted up a corner of our porch it was the biggest windstorm gust that we've ever had come through here and i've lived here my entire life going on three plus decades yeah i'm in my late 30s (laughs) and so it was the biggest windstorm we'd had but it bent the legs now we were able to take some two by fours and do some bracing um, up so that it's still standing But we know that as we get heavy snows come through and more winds, being it's already bent, we need to shore it up and it's still salvageable right now. But if it gets a lot more beat up or blown over, you know, it's not going to be. So that's on our list of things is to actually take it off and put it on different legs, put different legs in that can't get bent, anchor it down, strap it down better, do some more bracing to it and have the greenhouse be in a new spot. So I'm actually going to be rotating it off and then doing a lot of improvements and upgrades, that type of thing to it. But we need to put this in the plans because it needs to be done in early spring so that it's ready to go in time for when the tomatoes and the peppers go in the ground. And then we also, as soon as the snow that's on the ground right now is gone, I need to tarp the area where we're going to be moving it to. I need to tarp that ground because right now it's just grass. I need to tarp it so I can kill that grass so that then when we move it to that area, I can turn that over that the grass will be dead in its dormancy. And then I've got fresh soil that I'll be able to amend, put some compost in and get that ready to go for the planting of the tomatoes and the peppers. So it all we kind of need to decide if we're doing it or not, which we are. And then have you can see where this timeline is pretty important that it all be done before it's planting time for those specific crops. So that's kind of the major project for the garden this year that we're doing that we definitely had to decide, you know, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to tear it down, start from scratch? Are we going to try to salvage and rebuild off of it? That type of thing. The next thing that we're doing is we do not have a barn, a garage or a shop. It's always been on our list of things to do as we can afford it. And you can totally homestead and have livestock without having a barn. There are definite ways around that. And if you guys are more interested in that topic, you can let me know in a review. You can email me and I would be happy to share more about how we do that if it's of interest. So let me know. This is your guys's podcast just as much as it is mine. So I'd love to know what things you want more in detail and depth about. It's always been our goal, though, to eventually build a barn and or a shop and some more outbuildings as we could afford it. 
We decided that we are going to slowly move ahead because we firmly believe in paying things for cash. We don't want to strap ourselves or put ourselves in debt. So we're going to move ahead, not with building the barn this year, but we're doing it in phases. So we have an area out in our pasture that has some alders and it's got a few maples, just some different areas, but it's got some trees that we want to take down and then some stumps where we had actually already cut down some of those maples, which is then becomes our firewood and heats our home. But we need to get those stumps removed and taken out so that we can then level off the pasture area. And then we want to remove those alders and a couple more maples from the general area as well. But once that's done, that has to be done first before we could build anything there. Then we can get those removed out and then we can level that. And even if we're not going to be able to build this year, which we're not, if we get that part done, one, we have the cash where we can afford to rent the equipment in order to do that. Then that will provide more pasture so we can reseed it if we do this in spring when the ground is thawed. We do it early enough, we can get that reseeded and that can be more pasture, better pasture and grass for all of the animals and feed them until we're able to do the next phase, which building permits and actually you know, purchasing all of the things that you would need to build a barn. So we like to do things in phases. And it's also kind of exciting because even though we can't afford to build all of that this year, it gets me excited because it means we're making progress toward it. And it's kind of like you're you're bringing part of that dream alive and it feels like it's that much more closer to reality. And then we're, you know, chipping away at it, both monetarily wise and work wise, a little bit at a time. Because a lot of these things that we would like to do, not only do they take money, but they definitely take time. And my husband works an outside day job. He's, I, I've shared this with you guys before, but he's also a, an EMT. He's a firefighter. And so sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's a money issue. But a lot of times it's just having the time to do a big project like that. Whereas if we can spend a couple of weekends doing this phase might not really have the time to do the whole build. Hopefully later we will. But we found not only does it help with the money-wise, but it can also help with the time-wise obligation, breaking it down into kind of smaller segments and chunks. Those are our major plans for the homestead this year in regards to the garden and the livestock and the land. So I hope that you found this helpful. And again, let me know what you would like to hear more of. And make sure that you hit subscribe so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Speaking of upcoming episodes, my friends, I cannot wait for you to hear Friday's episode number 232 because I have a special guest on and we dive into like I was taking notes on using mulching and no tilling in the vegetable garden along with some favorite new varieties. So I have Joe Lample from the Joe Gardner Show as my special guest in Friday's episode. So I can't wait for you to tune in. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you so much. And I will be back here with you on Friday. Mm-hmm.